Sports Podcast. I said, Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am your host, Andy Ruther. Coming to you live from the Smut Studio in Venice Beach, California, with my co-host, Joey No Chill Prano. Hello, Aaron. Hello, Andy. Oh, you got me. <laughs> you got me. I like it when Twerks is here. By the way, I am fired up. It's Monday morning. I had a cup of coffee already. Sun is shining here in sunny Southern California. And I'm pretty excited for today's show. I'm not going to lie. I am too. There's a lot of things to talk about. I know a lot of people. There's a lot of uh, a lot of people in my mentions that want me to like own up to some things. You've got some things on the rundown that already have me excited slash triggered. I can't wait. Let's go. All right. Well, let's let's just start with with the latest news. And obviously, we're going to get into the games for NFL, Major League Baseball. Our boy Alex Bressler is going to love this. We're yeah, doing, can't we're, wait. We're doing a huge dive into the Hong Kong-China controversy with Daryl Morey yep. and the NBA. A lot to cover today. Also, Bressler is the fucking South Park meme already. He yes. is jizzed all over his office. He's jizzed on his computer. Yes. He's just covered, he covered his whole office and body in baby oil today just so he doesn't rub up against something that's not greased up and ready for him. He's having <laughs> sex with a stapler right now. <laughs> But the big news right now from the National Football League, Jay Gruden, you're fired. Now, I'm on a bit of a time crunch today. I got to get out of here. I have a meeting. And, you know, it is big news. This is the headline news of the morning. But also, how much is there to say? Jay Gruden sucks. Yeah. Talk about, you know, you've, you've sort of trashed a few of the hirings lately. Jay Gruden almost never qualified at all to be an NFL head coach. It, he got the job with the Redskins. Coming off of being a the Bengals offensive coordinator? Who arguably had the most talented offensive team. And then Hugh Jackson took over that job and he got a head coaching job? Yeah. Is And also his brother. Is it safe to say the guys that had the double-headed monster of Hill and Bernard and A.J. Green, Eifert, Mohamed Sanu, Mohamed Sanu uh, Marvin Jones, Marvin Jones, a good defense on the other side. Yeah. Andy Dalton game. Is it safe to say none of those guys ever had anything to do with any offensive success that led to exactly drum roll zero playoff wins? Yeah. You 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 lit up the fucking like what like what did they ever accomplish? Nothing. And like Jay Gruden seems like a nice guy. But they had Keenum, who obviously he had some say in them acquiring. Yeah. They had Haskins, and the, and, and the Grudens are supposed to be these quarterback gurus. Look, I have no problem. And you start Colt McCoy. I have no problem, like you said, with Jay Gruden. I'm sure he's a nice guy. But I saw a great tweet from Adam Schefter, 3.43 a.m., I don't know if that's Pacific time or East Coast time. Again, yeah. we, we all know. No, we just, it was, it, it, I think that's, that's Pacific time, but 
it was later. He's, he Gruden got called at 5 a.m. Okay. East Coast time. Well, my point is we've all established that ju- that Adam Schefter is he's artificial intelligence. Yeah, 100%. He's not a real human being. Definitely a robot. But great great tweet by Schefter. Washington's coaching staff once included Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, and Matt LaFleur. Yeah. Now, I think we, we still don't know what's going on with LaFleur. Shanahan's showing some success. Obviously, Sean McVay, I, I would call him an offensive uh, genius. I, I would give him that label. So the point is, Washington's missed the mark. I agree. I don't want to spend too much time on this. To me, this goes back to not Gruden. It goes back to that incompetent owner, Daniel Schneider, who's been a train wreck since he bought the team. calls them at 5 a.m.? Yeah. What the fuck is that move? Is Daniel Schneider a vampire? <laughs> I mean, is that, put a title on the show, right? <laughs> Daniel Snyder is a vampire. He's a, I mean, he's proven himself a bloodsucker, yeah. right? He's... Up at 5 a.m. to fire his coaches. Um, but here's my real pro- Forget 5 a.m. Why are you firing Jay Gruden after he loses to the Patriots? Didn't you expect him to lose to the Patriots? Yeah. Fire him after he gets fucking his shit pushed in by the Giants. Why now? They have a, they have a problem they have a bye week coming up? To, do they? I don't know. No, they... Uh, I think they play the Jets. No, who do they play? It's if they play who has who also hasn't won a game? The Bengals. The Bengals. The Dolphins. Yeah, I, be- the Dolphins, I believe it's the Dolphins. Yeah. They didn't want him they didn't want him to get a win under his belt and then like be like, Well, can't fire him after a win. But real quick and before we move on on this, the fact that he didn't start Dwayne Haskins shows he does not think he's ready at all. Well, also Maybe he didn't want, you know, he didn't want him spooked by the by the Patriots. Just like maybe he doesn't want the draft pick. But but his job was on the line. Yeah. I would have gone with Keenum, honestly. But nothing's going to change until Daniel Schneider doesn't own the team. Yeah. Nothing but disaster since he took over. They sucked. They got killed. Moving on. Yeah. That's all I have to say about that. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going Forrest Gump. That's all I got to say about that. Washington head coaches are like a box of chocolates. Everything inside is brown and looks like shit. <laughs> you know who looked like shit last night? They had literally, the Washington coach coaching staff is a box of chocolates like they had they had a caramel in there and mcveigh they had like a dark chocolate inside nougat one with lafleur then they got that weird they they bit into jay gruden and he was that weird cherry syrup that makes you want to yak it tastes oh. like fucking cough syrup why did that why does that still exist i don't know <laughs> to fuck with you that life is like a box of chocolates sometimes you bite in and it's jay gruden <laughs> It's and and by the way, you know what that red stuff is? It's, even, it's vampire blood that Dana Slater puts into the chocolate. Makes sense. Brano, you ready to wear that L chain on Jacoby Brissett? No, I mean, I, again, my, my or the Colts as a team. Well, so a lot of people yesterday wanted to come at me. Huge win for a team yesterday. Well, it was a team win. Okay, what are you like? What what did yesterday tell you about? The uh, Colts, like what? What do you think the L chain? I'm supposed to are they now a contender based on them beating the Chiefs? 
I think this much about the Colts. I think both you and I, if you go back and look at the NFL preview episode, we undervalued their defense and their running game, which are both very good. Yeah. I mean, they were We knew that. I actually didn't undervalue that. That's why I said they were a Super Bowl contender with Andrew Luck. Because they're running game and because they're defense. And now I don't think that they're a Super Bowl contender with Jacoby Brissett. So now he didn't do. So now I'm now I'm so, so I, the, I was somehow proven wrong. And are here's the question. Are they a Super Bowl contender? Can they win a playoff game? Yes. Okay. So this is what this is why I'm excited because this is what happens every week in the NFL. Games happen. I'm not basing this off just yesterday. Okay, I know, but games happen, and then people overreact, and everybody wants to jump on and and have the headline, like, this is the defining win for the Indianapolis Colts. They're 3-2. and two. They beat a good team. They are a playoff. They are somebody to be reckoned with in the playoffs, to which I ask you, if you believe that, you also believe that about the Raiders, don't you? They're 3-2. and two. I think the they Raiders, beat the Colts. I think the Raiders. They beat the Colts on the road, didn't they, Aaron? Not the not the. So the Raiders winning the playoff game this year? Or we have to worry about the Warriors winning the playoff game? I think the Raiders could possibly make the playoffs. I'm not ruling that out. Okay. Because the AFC is very weak. We have some really bad teams in the AFC, and the AFC South is going to beat each other up. My point to bring it back to the Colts is this: Jacoby Brissett plays well within that system. Right? We agree? Sure. And I think they have a smart coach in Frank Reich where they're going to do what they did yesterday. Hey, we're going into KC, tough environment, best offensive team in the NFL. We're going to control the ball by running Marlon Mack. They rushed for over 180 yards on the road. Not easy to do. And we're going to limit what he has to do. And he's not going to make many mistakes. And... To me, that is a good formula for success, especially when you have a good defense. But the problem with that formula for success is you have to win four playoff games. Unless you're, unless, unless you're, they're getting a bye. Unless this Colts team is jumping, leapfrogging the Patriots or the Kansas City Chiefs and getting a bye. They have to win four playoff games. So now four games in a row, you have to try to score 19 points and hope the Patriots, the Chiefs, Another AFC playoff team, the Texans, don't outscore you. And that is why what I said late in that game, I stand by, which is when they had the game, they had control of the game. They were up three points with not a lot of time left. If they go down and they get a touchdown, the ball game is over. And they ran the ball 10 times to one pass from Jacoby Brissett. Because they're keeping the ball away from Patrick Mahomes. Right, but they ended up with a field goal okay. to go up six with six minutes left in the game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, Andy Reid does what Andy Reid has done for eternity, which is take a hot, steamy Kansas City barbecue dump on a fourth and one call and give the game back to the Colts. But that is not a strategy for success against – a Kansas City offense, let's be up six points with six minutes left. Did it work out? Yes. Does that mean it's the right call? 
No. By the way, I'm not I, saying— I, But I disagree. It did work out, so therefore it is the right call. Okay. That's, that's like saying if you run a stoplight going 60 miles an hour at a four-way intersection, you make it. It was the right call. He, basically, what happened is on third down, the Chiefs have a play to pretzel— their, their practice squad ride receiver, whatever the fuck his name was, who recklessly tries to get yak and, and score a touchdown, ends up getting tackled a yard short, could have easily gotten the first down, ends up coming up a yard short. And then Andy Reid, in one of the most... I've seen Andy Reid do this as a Giants fan numerous times. I mean, the amount of times that Andy Reid had first and goal on the one against the New York Giants as a Philadelphia Eagles coach, I bet you it happened four times where he didn't get in horrific fourth and one call. I know, but Joe, I don't think you're giving the Colts enough credit here. I am giving them credit, but I'm also saying if you don't trust your quarterback enough to let him throw the ball 15% of the time on a drive to try to score a touchdown and ice the game, not give the Chiefs a chance, you don't trust your quarterback. No, I, I disagree. Okay. Uh, again, the strategy is to keep the ball away from Patrick Mahomes. And you can do that running the ball seven times and throwing it three times. But if you're going a 10-to-1 run to pass, you if you think they're running the ball 10 times to one pass with Andrew Luck there, you're crazy. They're just not. And they're certainly not getting down into inside the 30 and going run for no game, run for no game, pass third and 10. Like, they're just not doing that. Well, look, I'm not ready to crown the Colts My point the is best team. what happened, I agree with you, their strategy was, Get get more points, trust in our defense, but also they would have rather taken it be, to be six than even take the chance of Brissett throwing interception, which he did earlier in the game on a drive down inside the 30, and they turned the ball over. He, they didn't trust him to put the game away. They didn't. At this point, though, we're both going to be wrong in our preseason picks. I'm assuming now, barring something happening on the Colts, they're going to win nine games. Mark my words right now. They're okay. going to win nine games. I think they'll win nine games. Okay. Obviously, that's a division that's going to beat each other up. Yep. You have a lot of competitive teams in that division. A lot of teams that I'd say maybe are somewhat similar. I think Tennessee, as far as the quarterback situation and the defense, and maybe even Jacksonville to a degree. But huge win. It was, the, it was the fewest amount of points Mahomes has ever scored since yep. he took over. And uh, here's an interesting fact, and I think a lot of people aren't talking about it. Mahomes is now 2-5 and five in primetime games. Is there anything to this? He's 2-5. and five. I mean, this one, you know, he's 2-4, and four, but I don't know who he's played before that. I mean, are we talking playoffs as well? Playoffs or? included. Yeah. So uh, a primetime game was against the pass that they or lost. Or no, I don't know if playoffs is included. Okay. Yeah, I don't know who he's played. Because he's won one playoff game. Right. And I know he beat the Broncos last year, like his coming out party. Remember that? Yeah. I believe it was the beginning of the year. The infamous, uh, that Sergio or whoever it was. Remember the ESPN Deportes reporter? Yes, right. Totally. Um, I mean, to me, and I tweeted this last night, and I stand by it, and I know it's on our list of things to do, but Patrick Mahomes... Threw for 321 yards in that game. He he lowers his average significantly. 
And because he throws one touchdown and only has one absurd, multiple absurd plays. But like to me, Patrick Mahomes is the MVP. And it's not even close because Patrick Mahomes gives you an exceptional game. But because he doesn't do Superman things, they lose. Like their defense is just not that good. They got run all over. And he's doing it the yesterday. He's throwing for 321 yards and a touchdown with literally practice squad guys. And a, 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 a horrific fourth and one call late in the game. It's like Patrick Mahomes played great. But that wasn't his best game. You say great. Exactly. But that's what I'm saying. We're now doing the LeBron thing with Patrick Mahomes. If LeBron has 30 and 8 and 8, it's like, well, I mean, would it take him 41 to beat this? Like, we're now doing the thing that we do with LeBron, where a great game by him. For anybody else, like if if Jacoby Brissett had gone out there and thrown for 321 yards and a touchdown, we'd have been like, "Holy shit!" Now we gotta fucking now we gotta talk about what he's doing in prime time. If he makes that throw, Mahomes makes. We're now doing the LeBron thing with Patrick Mahomes. I'm not, I'm not trying to sit here and critique Patrick Mahomes, but especially by bringing up I'm bringing up one stat that I, that I said word for word. I find it interesting. Right. No, I'm talking about in general. Like, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about that stat specifically, but like, people are, I mean, I saw people go like, criticize Mahomes. Like, I put an MVP tweet up and somebody was like, this isn't aging well. I'm like, Patrick Mahomes played fucking great on a well, hobbled ankle. Well, I, I think it's too early to give somebody the MVP. No, I know. But I'm saying to me, and that's exactly what somebody said, or can we wait till week 10 to give out trophies? I, I didn't give out trophies, I'm giving out candidates. Works. I just looked up those two and five games that you're talking about. So it's uh, he lost to the Pats, Rams, Chargers, Seahawks, Colts in primetime football. And once again, in the Pats isn't counted, but that was playoffs. And the, he lost. And the Rams game is the Monday night game. The Monday night crazy one. The Pats game was at home last year. Mm-hmm. I believe Seahawks was in Seattle. Colts, obviously, at home. Okay. And Chargers. And Chargers, which was also at home, yeah. which, which is interesting. So three of those L's are at home. I mean, look, I think there's a lot of guys who are playing well right now. You, people, Some people aren't going to like this. I think Christian McCaffrey's in the MVP race. I think he's playing that well. I think, to me, uh, and I, we've talked about this, I truly believe that Patrick Holmes is the candidate. Like, that's the only person I'm accepting candidacy for. But Christian McCaffrey's walking around outside the candidate off application office because without Cam Newton, which, by the way, where are my Cam Newton apologies? <laughs> uh, Christian McCaffrey has taken over and is playing incredible. Um, but... Where I still believe the NFL MVP stays closer to the MVP most valuable player than a lot of other sports. Yeah. And people all go, oh, it always goes to the quarterback. Yeah, the quarterback is by far the most valuable position. So if you're the best quarterback in the league, you are the most valuable player. Well, my thing with McCaffrey, Kyle Allen has filled in nicely, obviously. They've gone 3-0. and Yeah. They haven't lost a game since he took over. Yeah. In Carolina. But where is that team in those three games without Christian McCaffrey? 
And 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 my boy, Russ is in the conversation. And this is what I'll do. I'll do with Russell what I just did with the Indianapolis Colts and the Oakland Raiders. If Russell's in the conversation, Deshaun Watson's in the conversation, correct? Yeah, he's in the conversation because those guys are basically playing very close to almost exactly the same so far through the season. Russ has twelve touchdowns to Watson's eleven. Watson has one pick. Russell has zero. They're both not turning the ball over. Uh, Watson has three rushing touchdowns. Russell has two. So total touchdowns are even. Their QBRs are the same. Their QB ratings are pretty close. Yards per game is almost identical. Their records are almost identical. You have four and one, and I think Texas three and two. Three and two. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing. But my thing is, I don't think if you look at that. Patrick Mahomes also had no interceptions. Patrick Mahomes has 400 more yards than Russell. He's also thrown the ball a lot more. Right. But also, to me, in terms of value, what he brings to the team, last night was proof of it is, unless Patrick Mahomes supermans you, the Chiefs struggle to win games. Meanwhile... Russell's at least got a defense. Russell's at least got to grind it out. Th- th- this whole notion, Russell's defense is giving up 24 points a game this year. Okay, but the the Seahawks defense is significantly better than the Chiefs defense, correct? I, I don't know statistically. I, I think that the Seahawks defense has a lot of holes in it. Uh, the Seahawks definitely have a better running game, without a doubt. That's, to me, the big glaring problem right now. Maybe even more than their defense from the Chiefs side. I think... I think it's really you got to have something. I mean, I mean they have nothing. They have nothing going on from the running game. But you know, when I watched that Thursday night game with the Rams and Seahawks, I'm just going to say that one throw that Russell Wilson made and Lockett made a phenomenal catch on it. I would say in the league, in my opinion, the only quarterbacks who can make that throw on the run and on a dime are Mahomes, Wilson, and Rodgers. Now. Uh, you know what I'm talking about on yeah. that on that run. Watson, Watson probably could too. Uh, Wentz, I don't know. Now, this is I'm not the guy that's saying this, but I am the guy that's seeing this being said and being like, yeah, I I kind of agree. Great, incredible play, Lockett, incredible play, the whole thing, all around incredible play. The fact that he the fact that he throws that ball as far as he does, rolling against his body that way. He was throwing that ball out of the end zone, wasn't he? I don't know. I think he was, which is makes it all that more amazing. But if you watch the replay when they broke down Lockett, like what Lockett was doing, Lockett's not even going toward the corner when he throws that ball toward the corner. He just throws that ball over there, and then Lockett breaks on it after it's thrown and, and makes an incredible play as well. Yeah. It's an awesome play. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not taking anything away from that play, but it's also... Like, I'm not sure Russell Wilson was like, I'm going to drop this dime in the corner of the end zone. No, you're right. I don't know. And also, can 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 Tyler Lockett get a little bit of respect, too? I was going to say, I think he's underappreciated. Super underappreciated. He makes some phenomenal catches. He's, he's a, returning punts. He's a very, very, very good receiver. And obviously, those two have a, have a whole connection. Here's a quick fun stat, though. I, I got to get my boy some love. That I saw. And Russell Wilson's last 19 games, 42 touchdowns, four interceptions in his last 19 games. So he's playing well. I almost felt like he heard you because last podcast you were like, can he put his team on his back, though? Well, this is kind of the year. Again, they have a weaker defense. 
the running game is not as good so far as it was last year. We'll see. Uh, and I've and I've said, and I have no problem. Like, there is no with me and my Russell Wilson critique. There is no wrong that Russell Wilson in the past. My criticism of him in terms of being elite with the rest of the guys is his ability to get the ball out fast, to be a true pocket passer, to step up in the pocket and deliver. He's 100% turned the corner in year eight or nine. What year is this? Eight. Eight. He's 100%. Like, the stats are there that he's getting the ball out way faster than he ever has. And I'm happy to say congratulations to, to Russell Wilson for taking a step in year eight. But that doesn't mean I was wrong to say he wasn't doing it beforehand. And, and also, whether people want to force him into an MVP conversation right now or not, you can only do that because he's taken that step. So the people before that wanted to go, oh, Russell Wilson's MVP, like you're wrong. He's playing significantly better now. He is playing better. He's playing a lot better. I want to talk about a team who's not playing better and a quarterback who's playing worse. Jared Goff continues to do Jared Goff things. The Rams' offense is not what it was the last couple years, especially last year. And two losses in a row now. Like, where are the Rams headed? Okay, the... You don't want to to overreact too much. uh, uh, To a road loss, a road division loss in Seattle on a missed field. Yeah, and there's obviously a very bad call roughing the passer. Multiple. Multiple bad calls in that game. Like that game, the two-point conversion, like a ton of things. The two-point conversion, he didn't get. Right. No, I'm not saying bad. I'm saying that that game being a one-point game, there's a lot of moments in that yeah. game that slightly this way, slightly sure. that way. It's a totally different football game. I just, Joe, as someone who watches these games, I have complete trust in McVay. I have complete trust in receivers. I have zero. I just, at this point... I don't know what's going on, man. I, well, I, I, I can lose, t- fa- I I lose can, faith I can, every week in Jared Goff. I can tell you what's going on. Every week and, I lose faith in him. And by the way, I've never claimed Jared Goff is the quarterback that Russell Wilson is. But also, when you look at what's happening with the Rams now, it is pretty obvious to me what's going on with their offense, which is they don't have a dominant run game with Todd Gurley being hampered. And so now it changes the whole thing. You know, yeah, you're right. The the play action and everything that comes off of play action. Russell Wilson throws the ball 25 times a game or whatever it is, and he's completing 70 percent of his passes, and he's great on his his long pass rate is exceptional because it's a hundred percent set up by the run game and a hundred percent set up that he throws well because he's throwing deep downfield on play action. Well, and the Rams can't run the play action effectively anymore because they don't have a dominant run game anymore. Well, you have a great point, and I'm glad you brought that up. Again, Goff threw 49 times against the Seahawks. 29 of 49, so it's not the highest completion percentage. One touchdown, one interception. You say, oh, he threw 395 yards. You don't want your quarterback throwing the ball 50 times. Yeah. You don't. doesn't matter who you are. You don't want him throwing the ball 50 times. So I think this whole girly, and what did I say at the beginning of the year? What did I say? I said that that baton girly is handing it to Christian McCaffrey, and I've been right so far as far as the, the great 
kind of up-and-coming, good, great, two-way back, whatever you want to call it. And, and they're DBs, man, on the other side of the ball. Akeem Tlaib played pretty well last year. Marcus Peters was dis- disturbingly bad last year, and even worse again. Yeah. Now, he had that pick six against the Bucks, but I think you or I could get a pick six against right. Jameis at right. some point in the game. Uh that's a major problem because I still trust their front, and they have still some great guys up front, obviously, um, with Aaron Donald and that whole crew, and Clay Matthews actually but played a, well. But a great example is that Russell Wilson plays. Like you can have you can have uh, a fantastic front and get to the quarterback, but in the league now, where so many of the quarterbacks are mobile, and and especially as you get down to late in the season where you're going to be playing content, like God forbid you play somebody in the Super Bowl or somebody in a playoff game and you're playing a mobile quarterback who can escape and throw the ball downfield. You're that may, that means your defensive backs have to hold on to their receivers that much longer. Yeah. It, it It's actually harder for you to defend if a guy, if your defensive line gets pressure sure, and a guy gets out and makes a play like Russell did in that game, it's th- their defensive backs are just not good enough. Yeah. They're not. And and by the way, you can have defensive backs that aren't good enough and have a front, but you've got to get the quarterback then. Yeah. All right, moving along. Let's just get through some of these games. I, you know, and this week we got a lot to talk about. We don't have to talk about all the games. Uh, I enjoyed watching the Carolina-Jacksonville game, another hard-fought game. Minshew had a costly fumble. But, again, I, I'm still very impressed with him. Still very impressed with his play. Yeah. That was probably the first time where he made what I would call a, a rookie mistake, uh, a young quarterback mistake, but we already talked about it. McCaffrey's playing great. Kyle Allen's playing great. I mean, at this point, right, from Carolina, this Cam Newton thing is over, right? Because they're winning games without him. In, in terms of what? I mean, you, you like... In, in terms of when he's, quote-unquote, healthy again. Are you saying if Cam Newton's healthy, he's still not the starter of the Carolina Panthers? Yes. Look. Why would you change from look, a guy who's winning? I 100% said in the past, I said the the Carolina Panthers are shooting themselves in the foot, not have, coming up with a backup plan to Cam Newton. Now, maybe you're, maybe the Carolina Panthers are saying, we had a backup plan. We like Kyle Allen. Yeah. He's a guy who can win for us. Okay. But Cam Newton isn't going to become a better passer when he gets back and is healthy. Cam Newton isn't getting any younger and therefore going to also be your third and short tailback. Also, you have Christian McCaffrey. You don't need him to do that anymore. Yeah. So why would you go back to Cam Newton? Well, there's a lot of reasons. He's the face of your franchise. And look, there are Cam Newton defenders out there who are riding and dying with Cam Newton. No matter, Like Kyle Allen could win the rest of his games and the Super Bowl. They're going to be like, how do you not go back to Cam Newton? Like, this guy. I think that those people have been dead wrong for two years now. And I've been openly saying that, and I've blocked people on Twitter who can't handle it. Your boy from Bleacher Report? I didn't, I didn't block him. He blocked me. He was saying Cam Newton MVP last year. That's just hilarious. If you're following Mike Freeman on Twitter, congratulations. Your timeline is filled with somebody who doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, no, how do you go back to Kyle Allen? Or, or Cam Newton? Yeah, how you, do you go back to Cam Newton? You, you can't. It's it, Football's an interesting game because we've seen this right, Prano. We've seen it with 
the Eagles and Nick Foles. We saw it way back in the day with your Giants and Jeff Hostetler. Sometimes teams rally around the new guy, right? And it's an interesting dynamic where the new guy comes in. We've seen it a lot with Garner Minshew and the Jags. But I'll tell you what, so so the the problem with those two examples, and don't get me wrong, those are certainly backups that rally around. But, like, Phil Simms was a great quarterback and a great passer, and the Giants bring in Hosteller, not quite the passer, a little bit more mobile. Ran the, they ran the ball with him a little bit more. But they were playing fucking defense like nobody's business then. And what they did is they downgraded and they go, hey, just all you have to do is do this. Foles and Wentz, I know everybody was saying Wentz had But, like, Foles came in and played cra- – they didn't basically change their game plan whatsoever Yeah, with Foles. The difference here is this, the, what's closer to this is – Brady and Drew Bledsoe, where you have one style of play that a quarterback wants to play, and you don't necessarily want to play it. Like, I don't think Bill Belichick, if you look at Bill Belichick over the years as a coach, necessarily wanted Drew Bledsoe, gaudy passing stats, tendency to turn the ball over, big arm as his quarterback. That doesn't fit what... The system. His system is at all. He's a quick fire fucking, you know, playing every angle, smart quarterback system. Tom Brady fits it so much better. Cam Newton has a very distinct style, and and I'm not sure Cam Newton's style of not being that accurate and also being a tailback works as you get older. And I don't think if you're building a team and you go, this team can win regardless of who's playing quarterback – that you want Cam Newton as that guy. Yeah. If you can play just like a regular style of quarterback instead. Well, that's the thing. He's not putting up gaudy numbers. Exactly. Kyle, but but here's the thing about Kyle Allen. If you what guys, do you think Kyle Allen and early Brady's numbers They're look probably like? similar. If yeah. You, if you watch the Panthers games, and if you look at his numbers, right now Kyle Allen, since he took over as a starter, has six touchdowns, zero interceptions. Yeah. So again, he's not putting up. What's he? What's his? What's his completion percentage? Aaron, his completion percentage is sixty-six point seven. He's completing two-thirds of his passes. Yeah. Do you think Cam Newton has a sixty-six percent completion percentage in any season of his I, career? I bet he came close last year. Because last year he finally had a good year, but I but I would ve- I bet it's close. Yeah, see if Cam Newton threw sixty six percent last year. I bet it's somewhat close. You can't make the change though. You really can't. I think you go with the guy who's winning. Why disrupt something that's working? Twerks got a smile on his, smiles with wolves over there. So. He's only had better than 66% uh, completion percentage or whatever rating uh, once in his career. That was actually 2018. Yeah, so it was last year. It was last year, yeah. Aside so, from that, that's what I was saying. the highest he had was 61. Yeah, so very low for a quarterback. So for a quarterback to come in off the bench in essentially his first starting job in the NFL and put up Cam, peak Cam Newton, highest in his life, Cam Newton completion percentage. It's like that's when you have a 
good defense. Their defense isn't what it once was. It's good, though. But it's good, and yeah. they have playmakers on the defense. And you have McCaffrey, and you're going to be able to feed this guy. Like, the last thing I want is McCaffrey running a five-yard out in the flat and you not getting the ball in the right spot because this guy's going to do fucking crazy things when you give it to him. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I want is you overthrowing him. Yeah, I agree. Stick with Kyle Allen. All right, let's keep it in the NFC South. Saints, Bucks. I watched the whole thing yesterday. And uh, Teddy Bridgewater, finally, they let him loose a little. Sean Payton let it rip a little more with the play calling. He played well. He had a bad interception in the first half. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, he had a great game. And uh, your boy, Jamarcus Russell. I won't even, uh, I won't even allow sarcastic your boys when we're talking about Jamarcus Russell. Jamarcus Winston. Jameis Russell. Jameis Winston. Uh, before we get into that, I just want to give some love to all the dirtballs who have left. <laughs> Hilarious a, iTunes reviews. Or uh, uh, Amazon book the, reviews. The Amazon book reviews of Jameis one of one have been phenomenal i'm sending out koozies today if you left a amazon review on Jameis one of one and you don't screenshot it and send it to me my favorite one by the way i sent it to you yesterday i'm gonna read my favorite so far and if we have better ones next week i'll read i'll read my favorite next week but this is my favorite from steven one star kindling please buy this book it is a fantastic piece of fiction plus it's still paper so it can be burned for warmth (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a great review. Steven, get your koozies. This Jameis one-on-one guy I am fascinated by, I then turned into a conversation on my own Twitter with him. And we've now invited him to appear on our show. We've invited him to appear on Dirty Sports. He just has to appear physically. He said he will not. Yeah, he He's turned refused. that down. And and he used the, the, the classic faceless troll thing of, I don't need to reveal my identity. I, I loved, he did a tweet. He, he said... He he basically was saying to me that he doesn't he goes, I don't need to put my private life out there. I go, You literally do that every day by responding to anybody mentioning Jameis Winston. Every single person on the internet. He responds with Jameis Winston, his Jameis Winston book link. And I believe he's currently tweeting on us now because before the show started, he came at us. I watched the whole game. Yeah. This is what Jameis did. He had a good drive in the opening quarter, and he had a a garbage, what I call a garbage touchdown drive when they're down two touchdowns yeah. at the end of the game. And in the middle of the third quarter at one point, he was like five for nine with like 80 yards in the middle of the third quarter. He didn't have a good game. And I watched the whole game from start to finish. And he had, he in, in the first half. He was 15 of 27 for 200 yards. In the first yards. half, he threw a horrific pick and was saved by his own inability to get the playoff on time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you watch the game, he had two awful interceptions in the first half, both called back, and like Joe said, he threw a terrible pick. He was bailed out by his own delay of game. Another fumble. So, these, so again, stats can be misleading, but he only threw for 200 yards. He got out of two interceptions, another fumble. And how many times was he sacked? Six times. Six. That's a lot. Including one where he took Cam Hayward's face and was shoving it in the Cam turf. Jordan. Cam yeah. Jordan, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where old sore loser Jameis Winston, old old framed for all. He he wasn't even arrested for the crab legs. He wasn't even arrested for the rape. He wasn't even arrested for the Uber driver assault. He wasn't even arrested for slamming Jam- Cam Jordan's face after he was sacked. 
What's what's funny about Jameis one of one on Twitter is, is that he's Jameis Winston's uncle. He keeps tweeting like right now, and he's bringing Jared Goff into the situation. Bro, you don't listen to the show. We don't like Jared Goff. We're not yeah. supporters of Jared Goff. He'll be he, like, "Dan Fouts was a Hall of Famer." I'm like, if if you're going to if you're comparing if you're trying to justify Jameis Winston's existence by saying he compares to. Dan Fouts statistically, we are no longer in the era where it is acceptable to throw as many interceptions in your career as it is touchdowns. We we just talked about, in my opinion, the true MVP candidate, and in my opinion, a couple of the pretender, but fine, we'll have the conversation, MVP candidates. Watson, Russell, Mahomes, Rodgers. McCaffrey. No, I'm talking about quarterbacks. Oh, sorry. How many interceptions are these guys throwing to touchdowns? We're we're having right now. Mahomes and Russell Wilson have an infinite TD to interception ratio. Watson's going eleven to one. What's what's Rogers at? How many interceptions does Rogers have on the year? I think he's only throwing one. How many interceptions does Brady have on the year? We're like we're talking about the days of, and and this is a testament to how the offenses have changed and yeah. how. Everybody now knows guys aren't throwing picks. You have to do it. You have to have like a seven to one and an eight to one touchdown interception ratio in these days. Now you look at the Peyton Mannings and the Breezes and the whatever those guys, and the Eli Mannings and the Roethlisbergers and the Rivers. All those guys weren't doing that. But that is where the game has gone today. And this is when Jameis is playing. You can't have Jameis's fucking ten to six TD to interception ratio and be the future of a franchise. You could be a guy that so like you could be a Breeze or a Roethlisberger, and you're rounding out the rest of your career like we, that. Well, you know who's a prime example of that? Matt Ryan. Yeah, we were just, Aaron and I were just discussing this before the show. Matt Ryan's second in the NFL in touchdown passes with 11. He also has seven interceptions. Yeah. And guess what? The Falcons are one and four. Yeah. He's turning the ball over too much. You're 100 percent right. This isn't the old days where Brett Favre would throw 30 touchdown passes and have 17 where interceptions. Where Sam Fouts is leading the league in passing yards, has six more touchdowns in his career than he has interceptions, and never won a goddamn thing. Yeah. So true. You can't. So, be- if you, so by the way, Jameis one of one. If you're saying Jameis Winston is Dan Fouts, Jameis Winston is Carson Palmer. Great, awesome. We agree. Also, I don't want either of those guys quarterbacking any team I'm coaching in 2019. Yeah. I don't even want him as my fucking backup because what happens? My starter goes down, and now I have a guy who's going to throw fucking reckless picks all the time? On the other side, the Saints, man. Since Teddy Bridgewater took over, they have won in Seattle, home against Dallas, Home against Tampa. They're 3-0. and They're right up there. Anybody who's... I don't, I don't know why anybody would be sitting, you know, passing over the Saints. No, I think you, you put on the thing, and best team in the NFC, and I think that there's only two teams to mention right now, and that's the Packers and the Saints, and then there's a... That's the tier, and then we could talk about, you know, the... Rams and the Seahawks and the Eagles. Well, you know why? Because they're just complete. Right now, those two teams are complete on all sides of the ball. Yeah. Running game, defense, quarterback. I mean, 
the Packers are interesting right now because Aaron Rodgers is not putting up Aaron Rodgers' numbers because he doesn't have to. Because he doesn't have to. Also, as I have said repeatedly on the show, you don't want your quarterback leading the league in passing. Yeah. Mahomes is going to do it because Mahomes has to do it. Mahomes is more like old Aaron Rodgers where unless he goes fucking bonkers, they're not winning the game. Yeah. But you don't – the Chiefs don't want Patrick Mahomes throwing for 366 yards a game. In the, they didn't win last year, and they're, they're just – bet like if, if Mahomes is throwing for 280 yards a game, means they're just more complete, means they're running the ball more, means that they're, you know, controlling the ball more. It means their defense is playing a little bit better. They're not on the field all the time just chucking it. And that's why, yeah. But the, the thing about Aaron Rodgers, not putting up those crazy numbers, but still has the ability to make plays that only maybe him and Mahomes make. What's like cr- that fucking scramble to the right, slide up in the pocket, that yeah. perfect dime down the sideline to their tight end yesterday. Well, that's what I'm saying. If you look at his stats yesterday, he only threw 238 yards, zero touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, I, well, I, but my that's not that's I'm agreeing with your point. Yeah, they were up thirty-one to three, right? Yeah, at a certain point in that game against the Cowboys. Also, the Packers with Lafleur are doing they're sort of a reverse Carroll and Wilson, where they'll let Aaron Rodgers take you all the way down the field, and then they get inside the head and they're running. I mean that Aaron Jones is it four, four rushing touchdowns. touchdowns? Yeah, as opposed to the other way around, you know. Pete Carroll loves to use the run, the run, the run, set up the play action, and then they're inside the 15, and Russell gets the touchdown pass. Yeah. And leads, you know, has the best rushing team in football last year, also somehow leads the team, leads the league in passing touchdowns. It's like, yeah, this is all run, 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 set up, play action. Whereas the reverse is what's happening. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is just team on his back down the field, and then they're feeding Aaron Jones four touchdowns yesterday. Packers to me and the Saints, they're t- complete. With I mean, obviously Breeze is out, but like we're not. This isn't a Kyle Allen situation. Breeze comes back. T- Teddy Bridgewater has done a fantastic job holding down the fort, but with their running games, with their quarterbacks, with their defenses. I mean, the Saints even have Michael Thomas. Obviously, Adams was out for the Packers yesterday. And he struggled yesterday, but what is his name? That rookie punt returner. Dude is dynamic. Do you know what I'm talking about? On the Saints? Yeah. Yeah. What is it? Deontay Harris? Yeah. He's electric. Yeah. And the Cowboys are hurting, man. You know, they were my pick to make it to the Super Bowl. Dak, three more picks. 44 times he threw the ball. Again, way too many times. And again, this might be good. I tweeted this out. If you're a Cowboys fan, maybe Dak shitting the bed is good because you don't want like you don't want to pay him the big contract. Right. I think we're there. I think we're there. It, somebody's gonna have to be the first one to do it. Is it gonna be Trubisky and the Bears? Is it gonna be Dak and the Cowboys? Somebody has to say. We can't just give out $100 million just because you're our starter. Yeah. Because then where does it end? Does Kyle Allen get $100 million? Does Daniel Jones get $100 million? Does, like, you know, it do, do the 
Jags either have to trade Foles or Minshew or have two hundred million dollar quarterbacks on their like two twenty million dollar a year quarterbacks on their roster. Like just because you're a starter and you're able to win games when there's so much else going on doesn't mean you get to be the highest paid quarterback in football. The Vikings are a talented team and beat the shit out of my Giants yesterday, but they are gonna be the they're not gonna be the leader in the NFC North for as long as Kirk Cousins is their quarterback because they over fucking paid him. Yeah. And they are a prime example because the Vikings have a good running game. They have a good defense. You don't need the best quarterback. I'm sorry. You don't need a quarterback that's valued at that price. Certainly not the one that plays to the level of Kirk Cousins, which he doesn't beat good teams. Yeah. So... The, the Cowboys are certainly after me. I mean, I think yesterday uh, against the Packers, a great example, you know, you gave the da- uh, the the Zeke 70 yards or something like that, and then Dak, like, what did Zeke go for yesterday? 62 yards. And surprise, surprise, Dak threw three picks, and they lost at home. Yeah. I, be- I believe the, the stat entering yesterday, Dak was like 30-6 and six when Zeke gets 75 or more rushing yards, and I think he was like 1-6. When he rushes for less and, than and I poked yards. tug a little bit during the day, Uh-oh. because uh, you know you were on the text. I poked tug a little bit, like oh yeah, ev- everybody and tug's been on this campaign. It's like I don't know about Lafleur and Rogers. I don't know, are they on the same page? I'm still not sure it's working. And then everybody was on the Kellen Moore boy genius. Uh, this guy's the offensive guru. He they look great against the Giants in Week One and the. Dolphins in week two and the fucking Redskins in week three or whatever the the three games they won were. So the three now, teams, yeah. That and they now beat. that they've played, uh, where's boy genius Kellen Moore? Has he, been, has he been off for a couple weeks getting his braces put on? Well, that's the thing. The, the Cowboys didn't play anybody. Those three right. teams have a combined two wins. In the last two weeks, they've played against Super Bowl contenders. And they've basically had their shit pushed in. We got to discuss some of these some of these officiating calls, though. There are so many fucking flags. It's really making it hard to watch football. It really is. And then I texted you during the day, and I said these pass interference. I don't even wait for the off season. End challenging pass interference right now. It's the single worst rule that's been instituted in sports. And I don't know how long. So thanks, Saints fans, and yeah. thanks th- thanks to everybody in the city of New Orleans. Because I hate to say it as much as I love the city of New Orleans, you you caused this bullshit pass interference call. But this is the NFL, which the NFL loves to do, just trying to fucking do it and fucking it up. If you're going to institute this rule, then call pass interference when pass interference is. Like, th- they look at it. I, I don't know how many times this year I've seen them. Somebody refla- reviews it, and I'm like, yeah, by the letter of the law. It's pass interference. interference. And then they don't call it, and it's like, you don't – like, how do you determine if you're a referee when to and when to not rule by the letter of the law? Like, it shouldn't be left up to the referee to go, like, yeah, that was pass interference. But it wasn't enough pass interference. Well, the problem, or yeah, that was pass interference, but you can't really call that right now. The problem is we're dealing with egos at this point. And yeah, you said call it right now. That was a prime example in the Jags-Panthers game. Yeah. 
towards the end of the game, basically the end of the game, when Minshew was throwing Hail Marys on the left. They had like three Hail Marys. But this happens yeah. twice in every football game now. They say, well, they're not going to make that call at the end of the game. It's like saying we're not going to make the call during a basketball game in the last second if it was yeah. a foul. Right. If it's pass interference, it's pass interference. But also, yeah, and that's the thing, is like when you're looking at whether or not a ball crossed the goal line or crossed the first down, it's a yes or no. When you're looking at was a guy off sides, it's yes or no. Pass interference, illegal contact down the field, grabbing somebody, impeding them, face guarding them, it's yes or no. Yeah. This isn't a question. This isn't holding on the offensive line, which there's forever been a gray area. And are, is the NFL going to do that next? We're going to review holding on the offensive line? You're now taking something. You're reviewing it. I'm saying three, four times a weekend, I see pass interference, and they go, we're not overturning it. And you're going... But you instituted this rule. You made it possible to review pass interference, but now you're not calling it. So you're essentially what you're doing is you're you've you've made this booby trap to steal challenge flags and timeouts from NFL coaches. Because you're like, we're never gonna reverse it, but you saw it and you know you're right, so you're gonna throw your challenge flag and we're just gonna take your timeout. It's the worst rule institution I've ever seen in recent memory I think the only solution is coaches fighting refs on the field which almost happened J- yesterday Jason Garrett was yeah that's, that's on, what I'm on saying I, I think the only solution I'm not even joking Jason Garrett hasn't been in a fist fight since his eating club at Princeton or else that would <laughs> he would have thrown down somebody came in to one of their mixers. Have yeah. you ever seen Jason Garrett? Never has shown emotion in his entire life until yeah. yesterday. Yeah. I mean, he went full dad mode the way he threw that challenge flag at that ref's foot, and the ref thought he was going to outshow him by throwing, showing how high he could throw. Yeah. The flag. What I think, what I instead of fights, I, what I think, you know, those those flags have like a weight in them so that it can be tossed, right? Yeah. It's not just like, it's not, it doesn't just float. It's got like a tossable weight in it. What I think is that they should have Old West style duels where they stand about five feet apart, face each other, and the coach has the red flag and the ref has the yellow flag. And if they have a disagreement, they're allowed to just wing it at each other's face. No defense. You just have to stand there and take it. Ah, so now Jason Garrett, former quarterback, he's going to hit a guy between the eyes. Yeah. Is that ref going to be able to fucking chuck it back at him? Probably not. Let's find out. Dueling flags. Love it. Some of these calls, which we just kind of talked about, the one in the Rams game, the roughing the passer yeah. on Clay Matthews, was an atrocious call, which helped the Seahawks drive down the field, take the lead, which ultimately won the game. And the... The roughing the pass, I've never seen this. This is the first time I've ever seen this. And if you missed it, I posted it on both our Twitter and our Instagram at the Dirty Sports. There was a roughing the passer call against the Packers on Dak Prescott when he wasn't even tackled. I've never seen this. Yeah. Well, he wasn't tackled, wasn't tackled, wasn't hit in the face. 
He was slapped on the side he of the helmet. Barely, he, it was basically this. Yeah. That was it. That was literally the roughing the passer call. He was touched on the side of the helmet from a defender trying to get to him, which again extended that drive for the Cowboys. Yeah. It was an atrociously awful call. I'm sick of seeing this. You're sick of it. The whole country, the whole world who watches professional football is sick of this shit. Meanwhile, there wasn't a flag on the on the Rudolph decapitation, correct? Yeah. yeah. Mason Rudolph. Is that his name? Yeah. Turned into the great kazoo, as I put on her. Which triggered all those Steelers fans. Yeah. Guys, if you want to see the biggest bunch of bitches ever, go on our Instagram, see the responses to Prano's 1965 Flintstones character <laughs> reference. I looked it up. I had to. He made Did you a, not know the Great Kazoo? I knew the Great Kazoo, but I wanted to know when that aired on the Flintstones. The, the Steelers fans, and it's all children, are all, it's not the time to joke. It's not the time to joke. Which somebody put, like, oh, if it happened to Brady, I bet you Steelers fans wouldn't be upset. I was like, yeah, also if it happened to a woman in a hotel room with Ben Roethlisberger, they also wouldn't be upset. There was a flag on that, by the way, I think. Yeah, yeah. There, there was a flag on the, it was Earl Thomas who hit Mason Rudolph. And uh, I, I was watching, you know, because I had, I had four games on my TV. And that was one of them. So I was watching it in real time. I said out loud, Mason Rudolph just died. Yeah. You see him go unconscious. Yeah, you see life leave him. You see like the old school like ghosts go up out of his body. <laughs> and you go with a deep dive on Twitter with a great gazoo reference. I saw him and I was like, kind of looks like Speed Racer, but that's not that funny. I was like, oh, he definitely looks like the great gazoo. Prano hits it with a 60s Flintstones character reference, which on Twitter, I didn't see one negative comment. I know. It's funny. It's interesting because they say Twitter is a little older. Yeah. More the, tr the triggered millennials over there on Instagram. Oh, my God. You should have seen them. Some cheddar dick just kept trying to argue. It's like, this isn't right. I love when people say, look at all the negative comments. And, and my response to one dude was, okay, cool. Let's say there's 30 negative comments. It's 1,500 likes. Yeah. I'm not a math major, but I'd say the, the likes outweigh also, the comments. Like, Mason Rudolph isn't dead, and he looked like the great kazoo. Yeah. Like, I, he I, I wasn't saying, like, like by the way, th that Flintstone episode doesn't end with great kazoo's brain exploding and him dying in a hospital bed. Like, this has nothing to do with his... I was like, when you get hit so hard, you turn into the great kazoo. It's not <laughs> like there was no... I, I didn't wish ill will on Mason Rudolph too soon. It wasn't 9-11. 3,000 people didn't die in, when his helmet came off. And by the way, Steelers, throw a bone to your boy. Put him on a stretcher. Yeah, yeah, It was yeah. so embarrassing. I mean, th them making him walk off the field <laughs> what are like, they he doing? Was, like he was a possum that had been asleep in like a barrel of ale. Like fucking doing the doing the stanky leg as he walked off the field. That was that was worse to him than than any Flintstone reference could ever be. Put your boy on a cart, bail your man. Put out. your boy on a fucking golf cart. Yeah. Put, your, put your boy on somebody's shoulders. They were like, "You're gonna walk this off." He was fucking. He was. Uh, he had no clue where he was at. He was Walt Juniering off the field. He was like, he's fucking. <laughs> Give him, give him some Walt Jr. Give him some crutches. <laughs>
It reminds me of the few times, some of the times where I've been so drunk, where I've woken up and had no memory where I was at. Yeah. Whether that was a park in Madrid or a sidewalk in St. Louis, both places I've passed out on, or any other place. I mean, basically, it was the denting. He woke up. It was. It was he the woke denting. up. He had a traumatic brain injury. His wallet was gone. His wallet, in the form of his face mask, was gone. No, I had my wallet. Oh, okay. My your phone st- was gone. Your phone was gone. Yeah. That's literally what it was. I'm stumbling around. He's the like, st- where's my face mask? Yeah. I, Somebody steal it? I'm stumbling around the streets of Los Angeles, yeah. having no memory of where I'm at, wondering why there's blood on my sweatshirt. And for all you steal triggered Steelers fans out there, I roasted Ruther endlessly about it. Yeah. No, but I, I thought that was interesting, Joe, for me to see not a single negative comment on Twitter and Instagram was like, too soon. You can't make that joke. Too soon. He didn't die. My favorite one was the response there. He could be paralyzed. Like they let him walk off the field. Did He's you see not my, paralyzed. Did you see my response? No. I, I responded under that on Dirty Sports. I said, you don't understand the definition of paralyzed. You should probably Google that. Because he stanky-legged off the field. Saying he's paralyzed is offensive to Ryan Shazier. Yeah. Who also was there walking. Yeah. Who's not paralyzed. Mason Rudolph was walking off the field. Now, he was doing Dave Chappelle doing P. Diddy off the field. <laughs> <laughs> but, but he still did it. Why did they not give him a cart? The most offensive thing of this whole situation, the Steelers didn't even give the guy assistance. They put Shazir on a cart and they drove him to the hospital. And they let, they, it's still in the hospital parking lot. They never brought it back. It's got 600 parking tickets on it <laughs> outside Pittsburgh General. Somebody go get that cart back. Too soon. No, you guys are doubling down. Cancel. 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 Double canceled. canceled. You just crossed. You just can't canceled. Your canceling got canceled. Oh, it's unbelievable. I was enjoying it, though. I was enjoying the back and forth. <laughs> yeah, I, I felt bad for you because I was like, oh, I'm, I'm staying out of this one. And also, you were doing it on Football Sunday. You're in there on Football Sunday just like well, you know why? fighting with people. You know why? Because at that point, the Cowboys game was a massive blowout. And I knew the Chargers were going to lose. The Chargers were boring me. The, the Chargers are, speaking of canceled, yeah, I'm ready to cancel them, even just a two and three. Now, I did you see the tweet I sent at Merriman yesterday? Oh, you tweeted at Merriman? Yeah, I tweeted should the Chargers trade for Eli Manning and get that Super Bowl they deserved for drafting him, and he quote tweeted and he said you are a talented comedian, and I replied with it's true. Um, so we had a nice well, back and forth. He's got a good sense of humor. Yeah, he's got a good sense of humor, but because I'm all about fairness, uh. Do, do do we start – does Philip Rivers now get the Eli Manning end of career treatment? Do we – like, why isn't the story today, is he washed? Is he a Hall of Famer? Do the Chargers have to bench him? I mean, he was – He was awful. He was awful yesterday. 32 of 48 for 211 yards and two touchdowns. He was averaging – Two touchdowns? F- I'm sorry, two interceptions. Yeah, zero touchdowns, correct? Yes. He averaged 4.4 yards. Yeah. So, look, I am of the opinion that all of these guys should be treated with the respect of their Hall of Fame careers. But since since we did my boy so wrong, 
Can the national media start calling for the benching of Phillip Rivers? I just... Is his backup? No, Seahawks backup is Geno Smith. I was like, how fitting would that be if Geno Smith gets to come in and relieve him? Where's Ben McAdoo when you need him? Uh, Joe, I... I find myself Tyrod Taylor basically the same. Yeah, he's got Tyrod Taylor. I find myself depressed watching them. I don't know how many times we're going to say it. When you put on a Chargers game and the whole stadium is the other color of the opposing team, it's just depressing. The whole stadium was orange. It was all Broncos fans. And I tweeted this yesterday. And I think people aren't really talking about it. They play in a 30,000-seat stadium. Yesterday, the stadium's two-thirds Broncos fans. So let's say there's 20,000 Broncos fans there. What's going to happen in the new stadium for the Chargers when suddenly it's double the capacity and it's 60,000? Is every single game going to have 30 to 40,000 opposing teams, Uh, fans? Well, the thing is, I think, you know, there's some big... There's some teams out here that have... Decent fan bases, like obviously, you know, New York teams, Philly, the Pats, Broncos have a pretty good, you know, uh, the Raiders will have a good one when they play. Yeah, but like, the better question is, are are those games even going to sell out? Because where are your charge? Where are these Chargers fans? I saw one last night. I couldn't believe it. I had a comedy show all the way on the east side in Eagle Rock, and. There was a table full of people wearing Chargers gear. And I heard the one guy say to one of the comedians, he said, uh, he said, rough game for us today. And I almost went full Mason Rudolph. Like, my body couldn't comprehend seeing a table, especially on the east side of Los Angeles, wearing legit Chargers gear and jerseys and T-shirts. You're like, (laughs) (laughs) I went limp. I was like, is this an illusion? Because that is the question. Where are they going to come from? Yeah. Yeah. That like So now you're talking about them maybe being outnumbered significantly in a new stadium, but also that stadium p- potentially not being ever full. It's going to be – did you see any highlights at all or any footage of the Bengals game yesterday? No. It was it – was, I'm not exaggerating. It was the emptiest I've seen in an NFL stadium in years. I think the Chargers are really going to have that – like I – I know it's not going to happen just because so much is invested in this L.A. thing, but like the Chargers already need to start thinking about their next plan and thinking about going to a place where they would create a fan base. I could start naming cities off the top of my head where they, they'd get people in seats. San Antonio, guarantee it. Oklahoma City. London. Well, do, do you know about the, the stadium where the where Raiders played yesterday? Do you know the thing about that stadium? No. It's a brand new stadium. And they built it multi-purpose. It, it just debuted in July. So, And I watched a whole video on it. It's soccer, of course. It seats 60, 62,000. But they can convert it. It's like new age technology. The football field's underneath the soccer field where they, where they move it out. They're basically saying it is ready to have a full NFL team there. Already. Imagine Phillip Rivers in London. Just the fudging. Yeah, that'd be hilarious. And They're like, you fucking cunt. 
He's like, ah, f- fudging cunt, if you don't mind. <laughs> he, he couldn't say cunt. Oh, yeah. Right. Couldn't say cunt. He's like, you fudging cookie. <laughs> <laughs> we got to give some love real quick, though. The Raiders getting that twerks with wolves bump. Yeah. They started out 17 to nothing. I thought they were going to lose it because you jinxed my pick with the Matt Nagy tweet on Dirty Sports, but they pulled it through. The Raiders are 3 and 2, man. With two quality wins in in the Bears and the Colts. Basically both road games. Yeah. I think I'm not saying they're going to do it. The AFC is weak. I said it earlier. I think the Raiders do have a shot of making the playoffs. I legitimately do. I mean, they have a shot. I still don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I I mean, it's tough because it it falls off pretty quickly after the top half of of the playoff team. So, who those wild card teams are going to be. But if the Chargers are going to be terrible and the Broncos are pretty bad, it could come from the AFC West. Yeah. It also, you know, obviously only one team from the AFC East is making it. Sure. Right? Uh, only, well, you could get two teams from the AFC South potentially in in a Colts and a Texans. or I mean, God, all those teams, I guess, are in the mix still. What if we did a road trip to Oakland? It's their last season there. I'm looking right now. The remaining Oakland home games are Lions. Well, give me the dates. November 3rd. Okay. Chargers, November 7th. Although, I have a, why do I have a feeling that game's going to be in Mexico? I haven't even looked it up. I'm just assuming. Yeah, it is a Thursday night game. Bengals, the 17th. Titans, December 8th. Jags, December 15th. What if we looked on SeatGeek? Gotten the old Corolla hatchback. A December 15th Minshew Mania Oakland game. Gotten the hatchback. Made our way up to Yofu, Oakland Coliseum for the final Raiders game. I know those tickets are going to be cheap, and I know the best spot to get them is without a doubt our friends at SeatGeek. Guys, SeatGeek is the only app you should be using for any live events. I'm talking sports, concerts, music festivals, comedy shows, you name it. It's such a great app. It has over 50,000 five-star reviews. We love facts at Dirty Sports, and those are the facts, people. How is that for customer satisfaction? SeatGeek will even give you $10 off on your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code. So download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code DIRTY. It's D-I-R-T-Y for $10 off on your first purchase. That's promo code DIRTY for $10 off on your first purchase. I'm going to ask you real quick, Aaron. Have you ever been to a Raiders game in Oakland? Yeah, I've been to plenty. Oh, you have? Yeah, yeah. You've uh, made the trek up there. Uh-huh. Fresno is not that far. No, not at all. So, when I, Especially when I was in Fresno, it was easy. Oh, how fa- how close is it? I didn't realize um, that. Less than three hours. Oh, I didn't Right around it, three hours. I didn't realize it was that close. Yeah. So I'd I would have even thought it would be closer than that. But, yeah, I guess you're about halfway up, right, mm-hmm. from here? Yeah. So I, I used to go to, like, at least one game a year. Yeah. Yeah. And tailgate, do the full thing. What's it like up there? Is it's, it- it's so much fun. I love it. I mean. Is it all yofuls? 
For the most part, yeah. And it's, you know, everyone's just there to have a great, I mean, a bunch of degenerates, I don't know. It's fun. Everyone, you know, if you're wearing something remotely close to black or silver, then you're in good company. You're not getting yelled at the whole game. I felt bad. The last game I went to was a Bills game, and there was a little kid in front of me with a Tyrod Taylor shirt and just just yofels flipping them off, I, I, yelling in the background. you just felt bad with them because you were like, that jersey's literally worthless. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll be on, he'll be three teams in the next three years. He'll be on three different teams, unless you're you know who, and then you thought he'd still be starting for the Browns. Do you want to move on, Prano? I know we didn't talk about your Giants, but I mean, what's there to talk about? Their yeah, de- their defense is atrocious, uh, and you know we talked about we talked about the um, so the sort of fresh struggles of the Rams and how that compares to, you know, what Russell's doing with their running game. But the Giants were down Saquon and then uh their backup, who I'm fucking blanking on right now for some goddamn reason, um gets hurt early in the game. And uh so they were without a running game essentially the whole game. And that is not good when you have a rookie quarterback who um, has a good defense that's ready to tee off on him if you can't run the ball at all because you just don't have the personnel for it. So yeah, Saquon is Wolverine and is expected to return for Thursday against the uh, New England Patriots after having a high ankle sprain that was supposed to keep him out like eight to ten weeks. Well, I saw the – I'm sure you saw they were showing him training. Yeah. His adamantium fucking ankles, so he'll be back. Which is great. I don't think they're beating the Patriots, which is too bad because, like I said, I had a hot take ready to go, which will now just be filed away. It'll never that that it was a hot take that was only ready for one particular moment, and so that hot take will never occur now. But well, that's okay. You're talking hot takes. I, we don't have time today, but I'll I'll push it towards next episode because I got in a huge discussion on Twitter as far as backup quarterbacks. And yeah, I see that up there. And what is just tell me. You want to preview? Like, what is that even yeah, about? Yeah, basically, I tweeted out. I don't think enough teams take the. My point was good teams, right? I don't think enough of the what I would deem, and I picked ten random teams who I deem good or quality teams don't have a good enough backup in place. Yeah. Well, and my point was, I liked what the Saints did. Now, obviously, Teddy Bridgewater was the highest paid backup, and I get that there is a limit. This is where I. This is where, in a way, I'll be honest, guys. I hate tweeting things because then this whole argument comes in. I know there's not 32 quality backups. I know there's not 32 quality quarterbacks. Certainly, it's it doesn't help when you blackball some of the 32. Quality yeah, yeah backups. exactly. But my point was, there are certain teams that I consider good teams. Where my argument is, your your season should not be a wash if your quarterback goes down four to six weeks. Yeah. Find a guy who can maybe go 500 with you. That's why I listed a lot of what I consider the quality teams and their backups and teams that I think are good and teams or could be good and teams where I think the Cowboys are a prime example. Not that Dak Prescott's the best quarterback. No. But if he gets hurt, you fucked. Yeah. Cooper Rush is your backup. For sure. And the Packers I see you have up there. Like Rams, like Blake, Blake Bortles. I mean, the guy was a starter in the league. And that's my point. Blake Bortles, if the Rams lose golf for six weeks, I think they could go three and three. And the Pats, I have no idea who Jared Stidham is, but, I mean, how many other he, fucking people? He played for Auburn. Right. I trust the system. Right, exactly. How many other people is? I mean, next thing you know, 
Jared Stidham would go on to another team and fanboys like the Brissett, the Brissett bunch, as I'm calling them, uh, would be like, he's uh, the fucking Texans can win with fucking Stidham. But that's my point. You brought up the Packers. We yeah. see this every time Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. You have such a good team surrounded on both sides of the ball, and your backup's Tim Boyle. My, my argument would be if I'm the Packers, I'm willing to pay a Blake Bortles. This is what I said a couple years ago when the Texans, first of all, I mean, Bill O'Brien, by the way, that was, that was another part of my uh, argument. Like, if you're going to make Russell Wilson a MVP candidate, Watson's got to be in there. He's got Bill O'Brien, the fucking worst. But uh, Texans, a couple years ago, Bill O'Brien starts Tom Savage. They're awful. Watson comes in. They're awesome. Watson gets hurt. They go back to Savage, and they pick up fucking Brandon Whedon. It's like that. the Texans, like last year, two years ago, whatever it was, is a prime example of like your owner is stealing from you if you don't have Colin Kaepernick as your backup. Yeah. Because it's so much closer to fucking Deshaun Watson than Brandon Whedon or Tom Savage. Yeah. And to have A.J. McCarron there, it's like, it's kind of a joke, too. I don't mind the McCarron as much, and, and maybe I'm biased because I always wanted him to take over from Dalton back in the day, and obviously, if he was good enough, he would be a starter, but I don't actually hate a lot of these backups. Like, for the Chiefs, I'm not saying Matt Moore's a great... I think... Their season's over. If... if Patrick Mahomes goes down, they have to go to Matt Moore. I'm talking six weeks, four to six weeks. You think their season's no, over? No, their season's not over because they can still make the playoffs. But but, but that, that's the example I'm using is, is four to six weeks. I'm not talking for the whole year. I'm talking four to six they'd weeks. They'd struggle to win games. They'd struggle? they struggle to win games when Patrick Mahomes for, throws for 321 yards and is like slightly hobbled on an ankle. I can tell you one thing. You could, you could cut off Patrick Mahomes' right leg, and he's going to be better than Matt Moore. And I'm not joking. If he had to do like the one-legged hop back... See, maybe I'm being biased here. I thought I thought Matt Moore played all right. Cuz at one point wasn't he starting over the Dolphins? Over Cutler? Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe I mean, it wasn't yeah, Cutler. No, maybe still, but it saying, wasn't Cutler. It was uh I'm saying the Tannehill. Chiefs the Chiefs would maybe. struggle to win games because th- again, they struggle to win games unless Mahomes does Superman. Which is why Patrick Mahomes to me is the MVP of the league. Collinsworth was so funny about him last night. Did you see his stop? Holmes? Did you see his stop it? You've seen Bill Burr's new comedy special, right? Yeah. Bill Burr does a great bit, right, on the phrase stop or stop it. How there's different meanings, yeah. right? Yeah. How, like, there's stop it as in don't fucking touch me, and there's stop it. Yeah. Like, we're being naughty. He kept, he used that phrase four times. When Mahomes made that pass, he kept going, stop it, stop it. Yeah. And it was really sexual, and yeah. I was like, dude. That, I mean, that that touchdown pass that Mahomes, that's a play that truly, only, I, he, can only make. he makes. Agreed. He's rolling out, and every, uh, basically, every other quarterback in the league, maybe Rodgers, maybe, but 
to throw it into the middle of a field like that, it's almost always getting picked off because it's going so far and it's going and it's in the air. So it's in the middle. That's of only that's, he just throws a. That's rope. only Mahomes. Yeah, I don't he think just throws a anyone rope. else can do that. No one fucking makes that play. Okay, Prano, let's move on quickly to baseball playoffs. What are your thoughts at this point? Well, I I mean a lot of thoughts. One. The Minnesota Twins just like they're they didn't show up, and I just feel bad for Twins fans. Like your your whole season, you play so well, all these guys hitting homers. It, like it's almost like curse worthy at this point. Where like when's the last like what is their record in the playoffs in the last however many years? And I like, think they've lost fifteen or sixteen straight playoff games. Yeah. So to not show up against the Yankees, thanks Minnesota. Fuck you guys. <laughs> um. Then you got. Astros just, I mean, their pitching, pitching is just crazy. I mean, Verlander is honestly one of my heroes in life, which is like for a variety of reasons, which we've covered numerous times. But just the the comeback, he's like getting like, like it's almost, I, I almost like don't want to believe like, is he on PDs? Like, what's happening? What is the secret behind, like, getting better at 35 or whatever it is? The Kate Upton factor. And then Garrett Cole, even better. Like, that guy is ridiculous right now. Um, the the Astros are going to be tough. So, you know, it's basically Astros, Yankees moving on. It'll be a great series. Uh, I, I can't wait. I'll be fucking. Pitching versus hitting. I'll be, I'll be rooting hard for the Astros. Um, in the National League. I think Dodgers, as well as, you know, Strasburg pitch, and they have Strasburg and Scherzer. I just think the Dodgers are too much for the uh, Nationals, but certainly could be a series. Playoff, but here's the thing. I want to say this moving forward, assuming the Dodgers win. Playoff Clayton showed up again on Friday. Yeah. Well, I mean, also, like, playoff, the Clayton Kershaw postseason thing is like when he was the the most dominant pitcher in baseball and he was struggling in the playoffs it was a big thing he's not that guy anymore true so now he's sort of just pitching how Clayton Kershaw can pitch from time to time and it's happening in the playoffs it's totally different but he's not doing what Verlander's doing which is just being better than he ever was as he gets older yeah so you know that's certainly like when you talk about pitchers of a generation like this is Verlander just like smacking the shit out of him and taking that title because I'd rather have a guy who had a rough go in the middle of his career turns around and becomes one of the best pitchers in baseball again, as opposed to somebody who had playoff struggles early in their career. And then uh, just a declining career after that, not to, not that Clayton Kershaw hasn't had a fantastic career, but like he's supposed to be your guy. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be a series because he wasn't. Um, I still think the Dodgers come out of it. And goddamn, the poor, poor Adam Wainwright and the poor Cardinals for Carlos Martinez just to. I mean, I'm not a Cardinals fan. The Cardinals have fucked the Mets over the years. But as a Mets fan, a team that has had Armando Benitez and Billy Wagner <laughs> and, you know, uh, fucking Jarius Familia yeah. and Diaz. And, I mean, list the, list the closer debacles. Braden Looper, like. That was a tough one yesterday. Yeah. It's hard to watch. It's hard to watch closer meltdowns when you've had as many of them as I have had in my life. It's hard to watch. 
You just got to feel bad. And you got to feel bad for Wainwright, who pitched fucking amazing. Yeah. That's a tough one to lose, man. It was 1-0 going into the ninth, right? Yeah. I mean, if it's Braves, Dodgers, Astros, Yankees, I, I, I get left with one. Help me fucking... Help me, Obi Verlander. You're my only hope. <laughs> Astros are looking good, man. Yeah, well, I hope so. It's cool watching those games since we were there, too. Yeah. It's a fun ballpark. Oh, it's awesome. It's awesome. We're And we're going to do a slides this week, I think, before I leave town on Sunday again. Uh, I think we'll get one more playoff slides in before a, a week off. So... Subscribe to Dirty Slides. We'll we'll slide deeper into these games. Well, speaking of sliding deeper, we need to slide deep into the NBA and their hypocrisy with this situation going on in China and Hong Kong. Yeah. Now, we're we're gonna get a little political here for a minute because this is a political issue. Sure, but it's also one of the most interesting NBA stories. I don't know. I've ever seen. I, I, I. I hate to immediately go to Linsanity because it's also an Asian event, but like as far as like a wild story, and I gotta say, I'm just gonna I'm gonna come out and say this right out of the gate. We've got hypocrisy here from the NBA because they've been they've you know kind of positioned themselves as like the woke millennial league. And we're we'll get into the details. We've got hypocrisy from the players. And the defenders of the NBA who, like, are saying this is okay, essentially. And also, we've got hypocrisy on the other side. I, I've see, I've already seen the tweets from the Clay Travises who have taken a break from their fucking racism to go, like, Ugh, the NBA, shame on you. It was like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What happened when, like, the NFL's a business and you can't, you know, you got to be – careful not to offend people who might take money out of the league. They don't want the distraction. Suddenly those guys who isn't going to be hypocritical in this situation. Welcome to the best podcast when it comes to fucking freedom and sports in the world. The dirty sports podcast. We call out everybody. We destroyed the NFL for for, for basically siding with an authoritarian group known for human atrocities, the police over free speech. And now we're going to... Those are your words. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Look, There are multiple human rights violations made by the police, which Colin Kaepernick had a problem with and spoke out about it and was blackballed from the league, and everybody was fine with it because it's a business. And now Daryl Morey is speaking out about human rights violations in China and people are like, well, well, guess what? Here's the thing. The NBA is not going to be as bad as the NFL because he hasn't gotten fired and he's not getting blackballed from a job. He might but, be, though. But just the fact that that rumor is circulating is exactly the point. I, and he was forced to take down the tweet and he was forced to apologize for it. I have read uh, a lot on this. For anybody who's been living under a box, there have been massive protests that have been happening in Hong Kong going on for months. Hong Kong was under British rule forever. Yeah, so then quick, it reverted, so quick reverted back to so the So basically, Chinese. Hong Kong was under British rule as a colonial uh, 
would you say like under the colonial empire or whatever yeah. however you want to word it until 1997 but it was literally like a lease it was until what 97 yeah so then england turned over hong kong to china but they still maintained a lot of the basic democratic rights that they had under england it's basically it basically exists as like a separate entity yeah so they're part of China, but they're not really part of China. They're it's China adjacent. Exactly. They really are. And it's kind of confusing. And this new agreement goes until 2047. So there's still, you know, a little under, what, 30 years on this? Yeah. As far as how this agreement goes. So there's been protests because <laughs> basically China wanted to make a law that you could extradite people from Hong Kong to mainland China. Well, there's a lot, yeah. There's and, a lot. But, and but, there's but, a lot. But, and, and obviously, it's so much of the shit that's happening in China. That's just the tip of the iceberg yeah. of what's happening in China. China's a fucking nightmare. So so, so that's the main thing that- As Alex Bresler's Twitter will tell Follow Alex Bresler, at a Bresler on Twitter. If you want to know what's going on in China, guys, we don't have enough time. I've got somewhere to be. Just follow Bresler. He'll tell you. Yeah. So basically, there's a lot of stuff going on. That was one of the start of it. And and then China was trying to institute a law where you couldn't wear masks in Hong Kong to protest because they wanted fake facial recognition. This is major human rights. So now there's also, did you see the facial hologram thing? Anyway, keep yeah, going. There's so much that's going on here. But to bring it back into the sports world and what we do here on Dirty Sports and the hypocrisy, Daryl Morey, the general manager, arguably what most people would agree, the best general manager of... NBA. A lot of people say that. Okay. Whatever. We can disagree on that. He I, I mean, I like Daryl Morey, but yeah. He tweeted a picture on Friday which said, fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong. Now, obviously, there's a problem from the Chinese communist regime with Hong Kong. He takes down his tweet. Right? Right. Because China is heavily invested in the NBA. China's heavily invested in the Houston Rockets, specifically because of Yao Ming and his presence on the Rockets. They they were at one point like obviously China's favorite team. Now they're still China's second most popular team. We're talking about a heavy investment. We're talking about a company via China's central television and live streaming platform called Tencent Sports. Supposedly is a digital partner with the NBA. The deal is worth $1.5 billion. Yeah. So this is all very important. So obviously China's heavily invested in the NBA, specifically invested in the Houston Rockets. The head of the Chinese Basketball Association, which has a partnership with the NBA, the president is Yao Ming. Yes, very important. So a lot of Rockets ties, the, uh, the red uniform of the Rockets, the red in communism, <laughs> huge ties, lots of links. Yeah. The red of blood being spilled and human atrocities going on all over China. So basically, he takes down the tweet. The owner of the Houston Rockets, Tillman, is it Fertitta? Fertitta? Frittata. It's, a, it's like an omelet, but it's fluffier. Tweeted this. Listen, at Daryl Morey does not speak for the Houston Rockets. Our presence in Tokyo is all about the promotion of the NBA internationally, and we are not a political organization. So the owner of the Rockets goes with that route, that they are not a political organization. Guys, here's what the main problems are. Anybody following this? People don't have any fucking rights in China. 
Right. Like, th- these are facts. The, the communist regime and the communist dictatorship that all started with the Great Leap and Mao Zedong, they don't have rights. So here we have, like Joe said, woke NBA, woke NBA who says, we're not going to do NBA All-Star Games in Charlotte because of some of the laws with trans people and the bathroom situation. We're not going to do the All-Star Game in Charlotte because of that. Because we care about human rights. But guess what, NBA? You don't and, give and a... And we're going to force Donald Sterling to sell the team yeah. because of his racist comments. And... But guess what? You don't give a fuck about human rights. And we're here to call the NBA out on it. Well, it, It's all the, about money. Of course, it's all about money. And this is a great quote from the Ringer article. And yes. I, I screenshotted it. I read that article. I screenshotted it, but I uh, wrongly cropped it without the guy who actually said it. So I apologize, but there's a great Ringer article on it. But this, I think, may be the most telling, uh, you know, words about the whole situation. While it may have put Maury in an awkward spot, it's much more of a warning shot at the NBA broadly. I think it'd be terrible for the league to indicate that it would silence the free speech of players and executives in deference to an authoritarian government. John Gonzalez wrote yeah. that article. To an authority, yeah, and there was a. This is a quote within the oh, article. Okay. So my apologies to the guy. I forget. I think it was a ESPN report. I I don't think it was an ESPN reporter. It was uh somebody from one of the other things, but again, this is. This, this is by the way that that quote because let's give him some credit. Yeah. That quote was from the Athletics Shams. Charanea, how do you pronounce? Terrence, somewhere, yeah. Charanea, yeah. But I want to, I want to read the NBA's tweet in regarding this situation, and I want to break down that tweet. The NBA released a statement yesterday via their Twitter handle. I'm sorry, just via this. I'm reading the tweet that was released, but their actual statement. The NBA chief communications officer Mike Bass released the following statement. We recognize the views expressed by Houston Rockets general manager Daryl Morey have deeply offended many of our friends and fans in China, which is regrettable. While Daryl has made it clear that this tweet does not represent the Rockets or the NBA, the values of the league support individuals educating themselves and we wait themselves and sharing their views on matters important to them. We have great respect for for the history and culture of China and hope that sports in the NBA can be used as a unifying bridge, force to bridge cultural divides and bring people together. I want to break that down real quick. And also there's a there's been a statement by the Chinese that was translated into English and they're saying that the Chinese version is actually a lot more um more of an attack on Mori if in its proper translation than in the English translation. There's a lot to unpack here. Well, well, here I just want to break down that tweet real quick. The NBA could learn a little history. I know I've learned a lot. If you actually want to listen, this is ironic for me. I have two Chinese podcasts going out this week, basically about the whole communist revolution. Because I go, I go deep on the Dent Report about having a restaurant which I've discussed about you with being named Mao's after 
a dictator. Here, here's some of the history of the Chinese Revolution under the Great Leap Forward under Mao Zedong. 45 million people died. It's a lot. It is the biggest human death toll in the history of the world. This is a fact. 45 million people died under communist <laughs> takeover in the late 50s, early 60s. It destroys the Holocaust, all the shit that happened under Stalin, Pol Pot, any of the awful dictators. So I just find this tweet pretty funny if you think about it. We have great respect for the history and culture of China. You mean one that was in a bloody revolution that caused 45 million people to die in torture camps and in famine? So the NBA, I don't know if they, don't know, if they just don't know the history of communist China, but it's bad. And, but also, now you go to today, which is the NBA is finding themselves in a predicament that a lot of people and a lot of companies and a lot of organizations find themselves in these days. This is happening in Hollywood for yes. sure, which is you have to cater to China because so much money is coming from China that if you piss off China, they're going to fucking bankrupt you, essentially. Yeah. Like, uh, there was... I mean, the the Top Gun scandal that I was tweeting about, like that that Maverick's jacket has been changed to not include this flag because they don't want to piss off the Chinese. And the biggest producer of the movie is a Chinese fucking shadow company. And I mean, all over Hollywood there, you know, there's I tweeted I texted you and Tug last night like Daryl Morey is the NBA's Richard Gere because Richard Gere essentially hasn't worked in Hollywood because he's pro Tibet. He just like disappeared off the face of the Hollywood planet because he's pro-Tibet and basically China's behind every single piece of entertainment. Yeah, Prano makes a great point. So if you look at the box office numbers, you know, especially when you see, let's say, for example, these superhero movies and they say, oh, worldwide it grows this many billions or this many hundred millions. Most of that's coming from China. Yeah, but also they're producing a lot of these movies. Exactly. And, and that's essentially what the NBA is afraid of. The NBA is afraid of money that's coming into the league and into this specific team that is the second popular team in China. Tons of money in fandom. Ton, just like basically whether or not the people of China are happy, which they probably aren't, they – the NBA doesn't want China to go, fuck you, we're not showing your games in China anymore. You can't just have people tweeting that, like, we're bad. We're just going to stop showing NBA games. We're going to start showing NFL games, you know? And because there are so many goddamn people there that the NBA is like, we can't piss them off. So, yeah, this is a hypocrisy bonanza. The NBA, who's trying to be a fucking woke league, is being super hypocritical by doing anything to cater to China and doing anything in curbing free speech to, to not piss off China. Because, again, I go back to the Colin Kaepernick thing here with us, is it is wrong to curb free speech in America. It's wrong. Whether it's legal in your office, whether it's legal in your organization, whether it's right, whether it's wrong, whether it's protected, whether it's not protected, it doesn't matter. I'm not talking about whether it's legal. I'm talking about whether it's right or wrong. It's wrong to curb free speech in America. It's super wrong to curb free speech in America when somebody is criticizing somebody for human rights violations. Exactly the same way as it's wrong to punish Colin Kaepernick for criticizing police who are... Committing human rights violations. Facts. 
If you're ever somebody that was on the other side of that, Clay Travis, and you're mocking this situation, you're an asshole because this is exactly the same situation. They're protecting their money and they're throwing somebody's free speech under the bus for it. Where this is going to get into a real fucking shitty situation is when they're doing things like making James Harden answer questions about it. If they make LeBron answer questions about it, because now these guys are going to be under direction from the NBA not to say some shit. But at the same time, LeBron's supposed to be out there freedom fighting for fucking college athletes to be taken care of. And he's wearing fucking, you know, Black uh, Lives Matter. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I can't breathe T-shirts and all that shit. So. It's a hypocrisy bonanza. The players are going to get fucked for sure. The league being hypocritical as fuck, as fuck. And anybody who's criticizing the league who has defended the NFL in their treatment of Colin Kaepernick is being hypocritical as fuck. Who isn't being hypocritical as fuck? The Dirty Sports Podcast, or at least this side of the Dirty Sports Podcast couch, who says free speech over everything in the United States of America. Amendment 1, the first, 1A, free speech. You believe in it or get the fuck out. And we also have not heard yet, you talked about James Harden, LeBron James being questioned because that's where this is going to go. We haven't heard from the outspoken coaches who have also been very critical of human rights. The John Popovich. They're all going to... I'm sorry, Greg Popovich. Yeah, they're all going to be silenced. The Steve Kerr. Sure. They're all going to be silenced for sure. A hundred percent. This is a bad, bad look for the and NBA. And what the NBA is going to try to do here is just have it... They're just going to try and it be a non-story. Adam Silver's going to come out. I, here, here's what I predict. Daryl Morey keeps his job. He's not fired. He's not blackballed, a la Colin Kaepernick. For speaking the truth. Okay? He keeps his job. And the NBA, unlike the NFL, who made that a whole big fucking deal, the NBA tries to let it just go. They're like, we 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 talked to him. He took down the tweet. He knows not to do it. All the coaches and players know not to do it. Water under the bridge. China, we cool. Which, by the way, is fucking... You know, obviously not as bad as firing Daryl Morey and blackballing him from ever getting another job in basketball professionally. But it's still pretty fucking bad to go, hey, let's just pretend this isn't happening and keep taking China's money. Yeah, it's bad. It's really bad. I mean, I've read, looks like you read a lot of the articles that I read on this. And the whole situation of human rights and the lack of human rights in China, and and we're all hypocrites for the record. God knows how many articles of clothing I'm wearing right now that were made in China, but at least I know it. And that's all Joe and I value on this show and with Dirty Sports is transparency with hypocrisy. Just fucking own it, NBA. If the NBA came out and said, we don't really give a fuck. We have a $1.5 billion deal with an online streaming service in China We wouldn't care. At least you're being honest. But this whole, yeah, we're going to care about human rights, about, you know, Black Lives Matter or trans issues. But, oh, wait, when it comes to actual humans' rights in China, we don't give a fuck. Right. It's bullshit. It's all bullshit. And you're right. This is going to get real interesting because this story kind of took off. And I feel like it's just still on the cusp 
of taking off even more now that we're on the brink of the NBA season starting. Yeah, and and honestly, like I said, the NBA is just going to let it go under the radar. But in essence, it could have been handled better in just letting it go under the radar. Like what the NBA should have done is say, hey, China, we talked to Daryl Morey. He's not going to fucking put out tweets like that anymore. But we're not making him delete it. And we're not fucking whatever. But, like, trust me, he now understands the the weight of this whole thing. And basically, that without you guys, the NBA is a whole lot less popular. We have a whole lot less money. And that, you know, a big part of his job would be affected by you guys being pissed off. So he knows better. But we're also not going to curb free speech in America and make him take it down or threaten him. Yeah. Or, or, or shadow talk about whether or not he's going to be fired from his job. Well, I'll be real curious. Like, honestly, uh, the, the idea, like, it would be Colin Kaepernick if he got fired from his job for tweeting that. I'll be real curious, Prano, if any of these guys speak out. The Popovich, the Kerrs, the LeBrons, people who have been vocal. Because I'll tell you what, man, if LeBron does an interview where he's supporting Maury and he's vocal about the lack of human rights in China, it could go south real quick. Well, yeah, certainly if the biggest name in the NBA does it, China's bound to go. No more basketball here. But let's be honest. How many LeBron's clothing apparel or Nike deals, how many of the, how many of those things are made in China? I don't know. I'm just tossing it out there. Right. This is this is where it really boils down to maybe what LeBron should do is um, move his factories that make any LeBron gear to the United States and give those jobs to college athletes during the offseason. So now they can have jobs because he's fighting for the rights of college athletes. He wants them to be able to earn money. They can make their own jerseys with their name on it, which they'll now take a part of. They'll also be able to make LeBron shoes because in the past they weren't allowed to have jobs. I think I just solved everything. Yeah. You fixed it. No. The hypocrisy is, it's a again, it's a hypocrisy bonanza. Except here, who agrees with Daryl Morey and agrees with Colin Kaepernick that you should definitely actively, openly criticize groups that regularly commit human rights violations. Well, and not just that, just free speech. That's that's the one thing we vouch and we strive for on this show. Have free speech. Talk to people that you don't agree with. Sit down with others. I mean, this this whole notion of shutting him down. And if you don't like it, block it, right? Hey, China, go... Do do what I did to Dustonian. Just just block Daryl Morey. Stop reading his tweets. What's what's interesting is when China says they're offended. Like offended? You guys you guys don't give any rights to your citizens. Yeah. What, what do you mean you're offended? By the way, I just got this in. Uh we have been blocked from China. Yeah. Oh yeah, this this we're, we're this YouTube stream is not available in China. That's a fact. Probably YouTube in general. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Twitter is not available in China. Right. China has made strides for sure, but they are a long way to go. That's why I always... It's too bad they don't have 
Twitter and China. They would have loved the Great Gazoo joke, especially since that's the literally the most recent TV they've gotten there. That was the last. <laughs> that was the last thing that was cleared by Chinese censors. Is the Flintstones Great Gazoo? <laughs> Warner Brothers and uh, fucking Hanna Barbera already planning a Joker-like Great Gazoo spinoff, the Great Gazoo origin story. <laughs> Amazing. Joe, I, I think we got to wrap this up. Yeah. You got places to be. I do. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Dirty Sports. Drop an iTunes review. If you drop an iTunes review, leave your Twitter or Instagram handle, and I will send you some koozies. While you're at it, leave a review on Jameis One of One. Yeah. His Amazon book. Jameis Winston Derangement Syndrome. <laughs> Unbelievable. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Andy Ruther. See me live, andyruther.com. Joe Prano. JoePrano.com for shows. Um, I'll be back in New York in a couple weeks. I'm uh, going to try to tag on some shows. Oh, and I'll be back in New York. I just booked this. This is exciting. Uh, my. Maybe my favorite day of the year. Thanksgiving Eve, I will be doing a show uh, pretty close to my hometown. I'm, obviously, I'm from Katona, New York, in Westchester. Uh, I'll be doing a show at Lucy's Laugh Lounge in Pleasantville. I'm headlining. So if you're in Westchester, if you're in, you're in Jersey, you're in Connecticut, party night of the year, the night before Thanksgiving, I'm headlining Lucy's Laugh Lounge. Uh, mark it down in your calendar. I'll have a link to tickets soon. But uh, what a fun! That's I'm excited for that. Uh, at Joe Prano on Instagram. Instagram's all that matters. If you want me headlining a area, a show in your area, follow me on Instagram. Uh, picks went pretty well this week. Uh, Patriots cover, Packers money line. We got Browns money line tonight. Giants let me down in my bonus pick, but hopefully you stayed away from that because you knew that was a homer pick. And uh, yeah, at Fix Your Life on Twitter. Well, they went well on there, Joe, but you lost. Two additional points to me. Yeah. You're down four points now after five weeks. Not worried. Not worried? No. That, one, two, one or two either way a week, going up or down, is not concerning me. I got to wait for the big week one way or the other. I'm, I'm, I'm fearing my three-pick week, but I'm itching for my 11-pick week. Okay. Twerks with Wolves. You guys can follow him. Where can they, where can they follow you? Uh, follow me on Twitter at DS Interns and follow me on Instagram at Aaron Maharis. There you guys go. All right, Dirtballs. Enjoy your week. Don't be stupid. And most importantly, stay dirty. <laughs>